It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 19. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We're going to talk today Golden Gopher basketball and Golden Gopher fishing. Yes, fishing. Former Golden Gopher basketball player Luke Lowy just wrapped up his one and only season with the Maroon and Gold. And now he's fishing on the Golden Gopher Fishing Club, which he helped reestablish this year. He has the ultimate goal of becoming a professional fisherman. I'm excited to have you hear his fish story here on the Go Gopher Podcast. Our Go Gopher Podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business value today. Make the most of your life's work. Here's what you do. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. They're great people and they will treat you right. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com who loves gopher basketball and yes, loves gopher fishing. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast as well. You can go back and listen to past podcasts. Last week for example, we have the Gopher Radio Network football crew. We talked pig skin, and some road trip stories. You should go back and listen. It's absolutely free to subscribe and free to listen. We're ready to talk basketball and bass fishing with Luke Lowy. First, a word from Tony. Hey, Gopher fans. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. Welcome back. It's episode number 19, the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm, and it's my pleasure to welcome former Golden Gopher basketball player Luke Lowy to the podcast. And yes, we're going to talk some basketball. Uh, we'll do that in the second half of the podcast. We're going to talk some bass fishing first, though. And if people are wondering bass fishing, well, stick around and listen, because this, I think, is going to be a really intriguing and compelling story. Uh, first of all, Luke, good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so we'll talk some hoops, and uh, it was such a fun time watching how uh, that group of guys that you were part of came together uh, and really almost from day one looked like a unit. I think there's some really cool, uh, you know, side stories there that we'll get into. But, uh, hey, we're in the heart of fishing season here. The the ice is finally melted. uh, The lakes are finally open, and you are uh, very active since uh, the basketball season. Uh, And and I guess the first thing I want to ask you is you're a – Golden bat, a golden gopher basketball player, but you also are taking part now, and you've helped kind of rekindle the Golden Gopher Fishing Club, which was what six years removed from winning a national championship, and then COVID kind of did it in, and uh, you helped kind of re revitalize that thing. Ta- take us through that and what it's like now, uh, going from the basketball court representing the maroon and gold to uh, on the water representing the school. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pretty cool experience so far. Um, like you said, the Minnesota Bass team used to have a really good team, um, won a national championship, um, had a lot of success, and then you know the kind of the team kind of went under because of COVID. 
Um, no one really kept it going. But when I got here, I kind of had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to check into that. Um, obviously, basketball was my main focus, but um, I kind of was able to get this thing back up and started. I worked on it just throughout the year here and there. And then once the season was over, I was going to be able, I was done with basketball. So I was going to be able to compete in these college tournaments and fish for the Minnesota bass team. So that's kind of, I've always been like in the back of my mind, a little dream of mine to be able to play basketball and fish in college. So it's been fun so far. I've already fished in a couple of collegiate tournaments, got a bunch more going on this summer and even into the fall next year. So wow, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So when um, when the club team, and first of all, I guess if, if you're in the land of 10,000 lakes, you know, that the big main flagship university should have a good fishing team, right? Uh, for, 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 for starters, one. So uh, I think people can appreciate the fact that you're getting it re-going. Two, what, what's the club like? I mean, how many people, do you get some funding from the school as part of a club? And do you need more funding to, to, to keep it going? Kind of take us through that part of it in terms of organizing it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a student uh, student group, just a student organization. Um, but we do get some funding from the school. We can apply for grants to travel to some of these further tournaments, um, and they can accept our grants and then supply some funding for the for our travels and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we have some great sponsors as well for for the club that have helped us out with some money as well as um, some gear, um, like some baits and equipment that the guys can use or can get for. A, a good discounted price. So right now we have like, I think, I believe 17 members. Um, so far we've had two teams that have traveled to collegiate tournaments though for, for the bass tournaments, but we, we still have a lot of members that enjoy being a part of the team and fishing up here in Minnesota. So that's be good. I know there's, there's a lot more tournaments coming up closer um, that will hopefully have more teams competing in. Um, we also actually have a, we're doing a, a club, kind of just like a little club tournament, a two-day thing up at Lake Minnawasha and O'Dowd um, next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'll get – the guys will get together and we'll have a good time doing that. So it's kind of just what we're doing. Um, I think there's a lot lot we can grow on as far as fundraising things and just growing as a club. But it's kind of just the first year. It's good to get – get our feet wet and get this thing back up and started. Yeah, cool. So you mentioned you, you've you been in a couple tournaments. How, how have you done? Uh, and I suppose some of it is just kind of learning how the process of, of a tournament might go. I know you've tournament fished before, but is there different things with, with the college tourneys? And, and how, have, how have you guys done so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great experience so far. We Our first tournament was down in Table Rock Lake in Missouri. Went down there for almost a week and spent the week down there. Um, and that was a tough tournament for both of the teams that went down there. We kind of, we didn't do so great, but it was a great learning experience. Um, and then the second college tournament that we fished, uh, was out on actually Lake Wisconsin back kind of home here. So we did much better and that one got a third place with, um, my partner and I got third place in that one. So that was, that was a fun tournament, but, um, we got my partner and I, our next bigger one is going to be in Saginaw Bay in June. I think it's June 9th and 10th. And then. Um, later on in the summer, we got another big one on the Mississippi River out of lacrosse. So we're looking forward to that one as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a great learning experience. These college anglers are, are really good though. So it's just like um, the highest level of basketball that I played in this year. It's it's the same with fishing. These guys are good. That's what they do. So it's kind of been a cool jump to jump cross sports. Um, obviously, I've had a lot of experience with fishing in my life, but um, some of these, these college anglers have been doing it like hardcore their whole life too so it's 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 not easy to just jump over and 
expect to beat them. So it's, it's been a fun challenge and I'm looking forward to continuing to do that. Um, hopefully you can have a little more success, but um, that's just part of the fun of tournament fishing. Yeah, no, no question. You mentioned the one coming up in July uh, on the Mississippi. Uh, is there a difference uh, when you're fishing for bass in the river as opposed to the lake? And what, what are some strategies there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, during the summer on the river, um, should be a, that should be a good tournament. Um, obviously, the current plays a factor. Um, there'll be a lot of backwater fishing. But yeah, the water will be a lot warmer. So, I mean, top water will probably play a lot more in that tournament um, on the river. But that's a really good bass factory. Mississippi River produces a lot of a lot of nice fish. So, um, Whereas the, the one down on Table Rock is deep, clear. The water was still cold. So um, the conditions always change for time of year and what the bass are doing. So you just kind of got to adjust and stuff like that. Um, I will add that like oh one another difference that's not as much like strategy is that tournament will probably be best three fish in in July just to I think the DNR does that to, um, for the health of the fish sure not keeping so reliable so that'll be best three where it's like usually it's like your best five bass and weight um, combined is what you weigh in so. That's great. It's 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 fun to watch. I've I've you know I mean I think everyone at some point is either thumb through the channels and watch some of the Bassmasters on on TV or or maybe uh, here in Minnesota there's you know there's some of those events around. I know there's some good bass fishing and good fishing in general. Um, now the question then too uh, when you watch those a lot of these dudes have you know their sponsors and their long sleeve shirts so they you know keep the sun off. Uh, do you guys have some fancy you know gopher gear that you get to wear out on on, on the water? We do. We uh, we have some team jerseys that we wear. We got put those together with our team sponsors and stuff like that that have helped us get the club up and going. Um, so yeah, we got we're, we we like to represent our our sponsors and the people that have supported us so far. If there are some Gopher fans out there, Gopher supporters who are also maybe avid outdoorsmen or fishermen or what have you, and they're listening and they say, "Oh, I, I didn't even know about this. Maybe I'd like to support it." What uh, what can they do to help support the club? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean. First off, they could send me an email or shoot me a call or text. Um, and, I mean, reach out on social media. We're, our, we have a Facebook page, Minnesota Bass Team, and as well as Instagram. Um, Minnesota, I think it's just search University of Minnesota Bass Fishing Team. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be amazing. I know there's a, a lot of people in Minnesota like to fish, so – um, it's probably, it's a good state to have a fishing team in for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. And there's a lot of gopher fans out there. And I, I think it'd, it'd be cool if, if we could get, you know, hooked up with a few people to get the, the club continuing to, to move forward. Um, now I know that you had saved uh, a lot of your money over the course of the last many years to buy yourself a boat because any good fisherman, uh, that's aspiring to do what you want to do is going to need a boat. Um, and then I think I read on maybe your, uh, Twitter page or something that, uh, that you had an issue with the motor and um, needed some help that way. So can you give us an update on that, how, how the, uh, the uh, motor is coming along and the fixing and the fundraising uh, for you on that front? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a little hiccup in my spring. Um, I had my power head, I blew a power head on my motor, which is like, you got to kind of re- completely replace it. And that's pretty expensive. So uh, I've been trying to raise some money to to get it fixed, um, I had a GoFundMe, which has been amazing. I want to just say thank you to everyone who's helped me. Um, I know a lot of Gopher fans have uh, reached out and supported me. Um, and actually, I'm almost to my goal. I, I, I've raised a lot of money through that. I also have been doing some part-time work, um, earning some money that way. And then actually, 
this past weekend at the St. Jude or at the Dick Highly St. Jude Bass Classic, my uncle and I got a sixth place, so we earned some money there too. So um, I'm racking up a little bit to add to the motor fund. It's all <laughs> going towards my new motor, which is in the shop right now. They're tearing it apart. Hopefully, getting it fixed soon. Yeah, uh, can where can people find the GoFundMe page? Uh, it's on my Twitter um, and Facebook. Um, it's just Luke Lowy on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, great. So yeah, let's let's keep uh, pumping money into that so you get your new motor. Motors are expensive. I you know I, I fish on occasion. I don't have my own boat, so I have to you know uh, hop in with somebody over the over the course of a summer or what have you. But I had no idea how much a a motor uh, just to fix a motor costs, let alone to try to try to go buy one. And you're finding out finding that out too. It sounds like. Yeah, it's. I mean, luckily Mercury Marine and Fond du Lac, where I'm from, has helped me out with discounting the powerhead part um, down to over half of what it should cost, and that's still like four thousand dollars. So it, it was originally going to be almost like ten grand for a new powerhead. So that <laughs> that would be a, a difficult situation. Um, but, um, we're we're getting there. Hopefully, I can get it fixed soon. I'd like to get my boat back out on the water so I can use it. Um, I've been borrowing my dad's and stuff. So yeah, and it's just tournament last weekend with my uncle out of his boat. So been getting along all right. Yeah, very good. Well, let, let's uh, let's get the Gopher fans uh, uh, fired up here, and hopefully they can help you help the club. And and then obviously down the road, uh, if you you know if you're successful in the college ranks and you want to continue to fish, there are people making good livings fishing. Uh, at that point, then it becomes a similar thing, right? You have to find spot one. You have to be a good fisherman have some success, but two, you also, because at the high level, you have to be good enough that, you know, in essence, you qualify, right? They don't, you can't just like enter. Um, and if you get to that point, then it's the same thing, right? You try to find sponsors, uh, you have prize money and man, what a way to make a living, I would think. Yeah, no, that'd be a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of different levels of professional fishing, but the highest level, yeah, you definitely, you actually, you have to qualify for, but um, there are some pro circuits you can kind of just sign up for if you have enough funding and some good sponsors. So eventually someday I'd be interested in doing something like that. Like you said, I just got to continue to fish, build my resume and just continue to spend a lot of time on the water getting better. And, you know, eventually, um, hopefully work with some sponsors that can help me out a little bit. You had, um, you mentioned the college season. You've got a couple events coming up. How, how does a college season look? Uh, and, and ultimately, as we mentioned, the Gophers uh, several years ago won a national title. Where does, where does that fall on the calendar and what's your calendar look like as a Gopher fisherman? Yep. So um, we, we have, I believe three, three or four, three or four major college tournaments left. Uh, I, I am fishing a bunch of like team things around Wisconsin, other open tournaments, my dad and partner and stuff. But um, yeah, so we're in, we're actually in two collegiate circuits, the college Bassmaster and then the MLF college series. So both of those series have a national championship and actually Minnesota has won the national championship in one of them and then has sent a, a college angler to the Bassmasters class through the other one. So had success in both series. Um, and the one in June, Saginaw Bay, um, is for College Bassmaster. If we um, do well in that one and qualify for that national championship, and then there's two more, the one on the Mississippi River, and then there's one on Lake of the Ozarks in the fall for the MLF College Series. And we have to do well in, the, in one of those two um, to qualify for that national championship, which both of those will probably be like next March. But that's the goal. Gotcha. So hopefully, we'll qualify for those. March Madness in a new way for you, right? 
Exactly. <laughs> no yep. doubt. Uh, I would assume if they're in March, some of those tournaments uh, will, will be a little further south than, uh, than than up here by Minnesota or where you're at right now in your home state of Wisconsin. Yep, yep. The water warms up a little faster down there than it does up here. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Um, as we continue to talk about this, what um, about bass fishing? Um, you know, because in Minnesota, as you know, uh, everyone talks about walleye fishing, right? So what what got you going in bass fishing and what's the difference? I'm sure you've occasionally tried to, you know, uh, land a walleye or maybe even you do while you're bass fishing. But uh, uh, what, what got you hooked on, no pun intended, the, the bass fishing side of it? Um, I just, I, I really like the competitive side of it. Um, being a basketball player, I, I always like to compete and my dad got me into tournament fishing when I was younger and we had some success and I was just hooked from there. Um, I fished some, some youth, um, tournament series did really well in that and then kind of took a break from it when I got to late through high school and then college because of basketball, but I'm excited to get back into it. But, um, it's kind of just the competitive side. It's, I mean, obviously, like competing against the anglers, but it, in bass fishing, it's kind of like you competing against the fish, um, what they're doing, the conditions. Um, playing field is even for everybody. You're competing against the anglers, but you got to figure out the fish first. So I enjoy kind of trying to solve that mystery every time going on in the lake and trying to put put together the biggest um, bag of fish that you can in order to win a tournament. So it's pretty hard. I mean, there's a lot of good, a lot of good anglers around locally, um, collegially, like I said, and um, everyone's got a different skill set and approaches it differently, which is also cool. Um, try to, try to figure out the fish. Yeah. Without giving away, you know, all your secrets, can you give us a few tips on if uh, maybe not within tournament fishing? Cause I know there's special things there in terms of finding spots. And well, I'm, I'm going to ask you here in a minute about pre-scouting a, a lake for a tournament and that stuff, but just in general, you know, uh, some, some, somebody just wants to hit a lake uh, here in Minnesota and uh, do some bass fishing. What are some, what are some general tips you'd give them as a, uh, as a uh, guy who is a really good fisherman and catches a lot of them? Yeah, I mean, right now in the spring, I would try to find the warmest water you can. The bass will be moving up shallow. Um, they should be doing their thing, starting to spawn. So the warm water will have them. Usually, usually I like to go in the clearer water, um, but it depends on the lake, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good, good. I, I can't. I don't even know where to start with right. all the things I could <laughs> give. I, I mean, it's kind of a broad question, but I mean, this time of year, yeah, the fish should be pulling up to start spawning. So that's a fun time to catch fish, and they like to move shallow. Um, they like shallow weeds cover around, you know, they go around docks and stuff like that. So in terms of how you've gotten to be a skillful fisherman over the years, um, is it, I'm sure you learned, you mentioned your dad and your uncle and uh, others that you fish with. So you just pick up some things there. Do you also do some uh, either research on your own? I know there's fishing shows all over on TV and I don't know if you can pick stuff up from that too, or reading or what have you. How do you, how do you uh, gather the info so that, uh, that you are uh, as skilled as you are? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I watch a lot of a lot of fishing shows, read a lot of articles about stuff. Um, I like to look at tournament results from, like, if I'm going to an area, I'll look at previous tournament results, the weights, just to kind of have an idea of um, what I would need to catch in order to be in contention. And then that kind of helps me plan out during practice. Like, if I get a bite here, uh, what kind of what kind of fish are in the area? Or where what are the what are the fish doing? What are they where are they moving? So stuff like that, yeah. But I definitely do some research. I like keeping up with other anglers. I mean, thing about fishing is um, the fishing community is great. Most of the time, all, all the anglers like to help out um, other anglers, especially younger guys. So um, the community is great. Um, so there's a lot of support in the fishing fishing industry. So 
Um, you can learn from a lot of people. And like I said before, everyone does, does things a little bit differently. So everyone has their own techniques and you can pick up, pick up, pick up on that from other people. One thing that I've learned is um, kind of just try to fish with as many people as possible, because um, like I said, everyone has their own style and you can learn different techniques from guys that you'd never even think of trying from hopping in with them and seeing them have success. And once you build confidence in, in a technique, um, that's how you can just add it to your arsenal of skills. So that's a big thing in fishing too. People might not think just like having confidence in what you're doing would play in, a, in fishing. Cause a lot of people think, you know, fishing is luck sometimes, but confidence definitely plays a big role and, believing in what you're doing and believing that the fish um, should be in the right areas that you think they're in and, you know, that they should be reacting to the baits you're throwing. So, How about equipment, whether it's, as, as we talked about earlier, simply as a boat or, you know, I, I know there's, you know, the, uh, the, the depth finders and the fish finders and uh, fishing poles and tackle and all that stuff. How important does, is, is uh, you know, having the right gear and being equipped right play into catching uh, the amount of fish you need to to compete in these kind of events? Yeah, no, equipment has just developed insanely in the last few years, but having the right equipment is definitely a big benefit to an angler's success. I know, I mean, the electronics especially has developed um, just way more than it has in the last couple of years. I mean, there's front-facing sonar and Mega360 stuff like that, is, and that's a big, big deal um, for most tournament anglers. And, a lot of guys that are super serious will do everything that they possibly can to give them an advantage. And I mean, I believe that's what they should do if they're going to be competing at the highest level and um, fishing for money and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, having good rods, reels, line, line is a big one. That's, that's something I, I'm really, I, I tweak out about line a lot. Like I'll retie all the time, check my line. I just, I don't, I don't want to be breaking line unnecessarily um, in a tournament or, having a line issue. So that's, that's something I'm really particular about. And I know a lot of tournament guys are too. They'll re-spool their, lo- their rods after every tournament, after every day. Um, so it's stuff like that, just the little things that help anglers just be a little more successful than the other guy. You, using all that knowledge to find the fish is one thing, and then hooking the fish is the other, because you can get bites. That's my issue. I get bites, and I can't. I'm only okay at actually landing the fish. Even sometimes I'll hook it, and as I'm reeling in, off he goes, or as you mentioned, a line break. So what what are some tips you can give to, you know, okay, we found fish, now let's let's catch a few here. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the fun part. I, I, I've enjoyed taking some of my teammates out. Um, fishing and one of the biggest things that I usually have to teach guys is like how to have a good hook set yeah that's a super important thing having a good hook set um, when you're fishing you got to get you got to drive the hook through their mouth so that they so they stay hooked and not everyone understands that so um, it's been fun teaching guys I always try to tell like you get a bite you almost have to like swing the rod like you're swinging a baseball bat to make sure that the hook goes in their mouth and you got to just keep reeling to keep it tight so I think you know focusing on having a good hook set is a good Good tip for for people fishing. Yeah, it's funny because maybe the biggest fish I, I've I've ever caught was a bass actually a few years ago here in Minnesota, and it was by accident. I was just kind of reeling the lure back in, 
And all of a sudden, the fi- and it, he hooked himself. It was so it was total accident. But I grew up, so I grew up in Iowa, and that's uh, you know down there, it's a lot of uh, you know sunnies and bluegills and 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 maybe crappie. And you know, f- for a lot of me, I loved it because you know there was bites all the time. And they weren't huge fish, but you could easily hook them. And I think it's hurt me now. Later, I can't catch a walleye to save my life because uh, I don't maybe have the patience. And so there, you're right. Actually, hooking the fish is is, is a skill. Like there is a, a skill in in doing that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I started when I was really younger, or a lot younger, just catching catching everything that I that I could. Um, starting with sunnies, bluegill, stuff like that. I know I got a lot of younger cousins that enjoy doing that off the dock. Um, that's a great way to just get people hooked on fishing. Um, just just feeling a fish on the end of your line and catching it. Um, is something that gets people kind of addicted to fishing for sure. You you mentioned you took uh, your teammates out, uh, and I know I've seen on some social media. I think one of my favorite pictures is is EJ Stevens in the middle of winter. You guys are ice fishing. He's holding up this this big fish. That's pretty cool. Uh, how much fun is that to introduce guys like that? Here's a kid from Wright Plantation, Florida. I don't know. I I mean, Florida is a huge bass fishing state, so maybe he's fished before, maybe not. I'm sure he's not ice fished before though. So what was that all like? Yeah, no, that was an awesome experience. Uh, EJ was he, he was a little weary to get out on frozen lake, um, but once he was out there, he thought it was pretty cool. I think it was cool to show him, you know, how to fish. We were lucky; we got hooked up with um, Aquaview. They were actually um, the guys who helped us get out and had a big ice house with TVs and Aquaview cameras. So, I want to give a big shout out to Aquaview for that. Um, so that was a cool experience. Those guys kind of got a little. They got a little taste of what it's like to ice fish in a kind of a cheating manner, but it was still fun for them. So yeah, seeing EJ catch fish was cool because yeah, he's never he's never really fished and for sure he's never ice fished. So that that's cool for me. I, I I used to take my teammates out in Virginia when I was on William and Mary. Um, a lot of those guys never fished either. So it's been cool to take different guys out that I played with. Yeah, and amongst your teammates now that you've been out with, um, one, who likes it the most? Like who who can you say if you know you're going to text or call somebody and say, hey, I'm heading out for a few hours, that you're going to get a yes? And two, uh, who might be the best of the uh, gopher basketball players in terms of catching fish? Besides you, of course. Yeah, um, there's a few guys on the gopher team that have had a little bit prior experience that are good like parker and trayton they know how to fish um and they'll they would be guys who would probably go every time if i asked them yeah um but as far as new guys i know jameson battle and eric curry those guys they really liked it i think they got hooked when when uh when i took them so i think they'd be down to go um but as far as best fishermen i mean i don't know i, I might have to go with eric on this one really he, he picked it up pretty well. We fished a little tournaments on my YouTube, me and him versus Parker and Trayton and my dad and uncle as boat captains. But Eric was, he was catching a lot of fish. So he, he kind of got it down pretty well. Um, we got to get him back out on the water here now, now that it's warmer. He, yeah. I, t- I took him that one time the water, weather was really nice and I tried to take him again in the fall and it was just atrociously freezing. <laughs> <laughs> like I fish and stuff like that. So like, I was, obviously I was cold, but I could still do it. But he was like, no, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Well, so uh, I, that's, I think it's awesome too, that there's some guys that, that, you know, some Minnesota guys, you mentioned Trayton and Parker. I, I mean, Trayton, like his hometown's Glenwood. So I'm assuming out in that area, there's, you know, all kinds of great lakes. He grew up fishing and uh, Parker for, 
from around here. Uh, and then you've got Jameson Battle, who's also from here uh, and, and apparently hasn't done much fishing, and, and you're getting him hooked on that. So that, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been it's been very cool. I'm hoping to get the boat back up in the next couple of weeks to get those guys out again. Now that's warm. How about uh, how about any of your coaches? If you, I mean, is Coach Johnson? Does he is he does he go out and fish? Have you gotten him out on the water? I've not gotten him out on the water. Uh, he's a busy guy. I know yeah. that for sure. I've taken Coach Kemp um, out in Virginia. I took him out, and I'll probably take him again this fall. But yeah, he he can fish too. He kind of does his own thing. He likes to. He likes to listen to what I have to say and then just do what he wants to do. So if he's listening to this, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's but he caught some fish when I took him out of Virginia. So, yeah, I enjoy taking those guys as well. You mentioned when you were young, you you were, you know, you kind of off the dock, you were catching some sunnies and such. Uh, how old do you think you were when, when your dad or mom or whoever it was gave you the, the pole for the first time and said, here, go, um, go, go catch a fish? I mean, I don't know. I, probably four or five. <clears throat> There's – I can't, I can't remember back before I ever started fishing. It's just been, I've always been doing it. We have a cabin up in Northern Wisconsin. When we go up there, I just stand off the end of the dock and just fish. Um, when everyone's outside by the fire or inside, um, that's what I like to do. So I I honestly can't remember when I started, I was so little. So I've always been doing it my whole life. So I am, um, you know, I love a good fish fry. I think fish is awesome. Uh, do you uh, do you do catch and release some? Do you have a freezer full of fish? Uh, how, how, do you do you do you love a good fish fry as well with with all of your catch? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we love a good fish fries for sure. We we bass fish mostly, but um, we'll we'll do some pan fishing, some bluegills, crappies, and then a lot of times when we bass fish, we'll accidentally accidentally catch like a walleye or two or a few of them and we'll keep those and fry those up because those are a delicacy up here so yeah those taste pretty good we like to do fish fries we'll always have fish stock like i said that cabin we have up north is a really good crappie lake so we usually go up there here and yeah. stock up on crappies yeah i love crappies the one fish you know that, that and bluegill i can i can one uh catch them and two yeah they're they're pretty darn tasty there's no doubt about that when you when you uh, when you get it going well it, it's pretty cool to hear all about uh, about uh, one fishing getting some tips uh, you know how you started you said uh, your dad got you in some youth tournaments so when you were young you were winning some trophies and um uh, what, what do you remember most about uh, about getting hooked that way from you mentioned the competition standpoint yeah, we uh, we had a youth bass club around the area, um, and that that allowed me to fish tournaments just locally as a youth angler. And then from that, I you can qualify for a state tournament and then uh, to a world championship. Which I I fished in state a few times, and I actually won state like I think two or three times. Um, in one of the years, how, I how old how old about then was that? Would you say were you? I was probably. I know I was uh, 14 one year, and I think I was 15 the next. I might have been 13. I think I'm. I think I won twice, so I think yeah. I was 15 and 14 and 15. So you won the state. Then did you get to go try a national tournament? Then I did. I got to go down and fish in Shreveport, Louisiana, on Caddo Lake, um, and against all the other state winners. Um, so there was. I'm pretty sure all 50 states, maybe maybe a little less, maybe there's like 40 something. But yeah, all the youth anglers. There was two divisions, so there was a younger division, 11 through 14, and then 15 through 18. So each each boat would have a youth, uh, a younger division kid, and then an older division kid, and they they'd be fishing against each other. So there was two divisions, and 
it was a two day tournament. The first tournament or the first day you fished against your region. So it was just like Midwest States. So I was lucky enough to win, win that day and qualify for the second day. So I won the, um, the Midwest region. Um, and then on the second day I was actually partnered with, um, the guy who won the Northern, the older division as well. So I was lucky enough to win, win the whole thing. So oh, man, so <laughs> well, that was cool. You were yeah, na- was basically the national title winner then. Yeah. Wow. Technically. Yes. I am a national championship. That's, at youth. that's amazing. Yeah. World championship, but man, it was a while back. You get a trophy? Can, my goal is to do something like that in a, in an adult division or yeah, something. For sure. For sure. Did you get a trophy then? Do you have that at your house or? Um, I do. It's, it's, pretty big it's pretty cool yeah yeah and then we got to uh the guy I was fishing with we actually got that was the same week as the Forestwood cup uh that was the mof circuit that's now the m or that was the flw circuit that's now the mof circuit but the, they had their world championship or super bowl was the same week the Forestwood cup so we actually got to go on stage and carry the trophy out onto the stage in front of um, the whole arena full of fans and stuff. So that was cool. Man, that's cool. Now, do you think um, that part of the competition, you know, because I think most people that fish just go out, it's relaxing, you know, you're going to, you know, spend the afternoon out on the water, but then you get into the competition, it's a little different mentality. Do you think that helped you? Uh, and particularly like as you got older and now you're starting to play in AAU tournaments, let's say I'm talking on the basketball side now that that mentality, so all of a sudden you're 13 or 14 years old winning a national fishing championship. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching here, but maybe that is less intimidating when you're playing for a AAU team in Wisconsin, going to Dallas or something, playing against kids from around the country too. Do you think there's some crossover there from the competition part and the mindset part? Absolutely, I always believed that there was a crossover between competitive tournament fishing and basketball. Um, well, as far as just like having success in that tournament, you know, I that obviously gave me some confidence in myself, just believing in myself, no matter what, anything is possible. Um, I was competing against kids from all around the country. So I would, it was the same thing was what I was doing later on in high school for AAU. But um, probably the biggest thing that I always believed was a crossover was just the mental side of fishing and basketball. Just um, you got, you go through adversity and fishing. I mean, you might lose a big one and then that might sit with you for the rest of the day and you got to kind of find a way to shake it off and focus on what you're doing and slow down and not get in a big rush, not get spun out. It's the same thing with basketball. I was trying to make that connection. Um, when I was playing, I would just think of, you know, what a situation would be like in fishing that I've been through or vice versa. When I'm fishing, it's the same thing as maybe you go out and miss every single shot you take in the first half, but you still have a whole other half of basketball. So, you got to stay focused. And I've had games where that's happened to me and, and then have had a really good second half. So that's kind of the same thing. I think about if the tournament day out on the water starts slow, the day's not over, you can still salvage your day and still do really well. You just got to make some adjustments and stay focused. So it's, it, I, I've always believed that there's a parallel in those two sports. I'm thinking too, and again, maybe I'm reaching here, but I'm thinking with that crossover, uh, the grind part of it, where if you're not catching or you lose one, you're still grinding, you're finding new spots, you're looking at the sun, you're seeing what the wind is, you're, you know, all that stuff. Maybe that's like playing defense in basketball. Cause I'm thinking, you know, you had some games here for the Gophers where, you know, you're basically, it seems each game assigned to the best perimeter player on the other team defensively. And um, even if the offensive game, if you're not necessarily landing 
buckets, you're contributing, you're grinding, you're, you're, you're having an impact. I think of the pit game, right? You didn't score all day until uh, the, the team needed it most with the putback tip in at the buzzer in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. But maybe there's some comparisons along that side of things, too, that the grind is constant, and for you defensively especially, and then you know you have days like Rutgers where you know, you're going to win the tournament with a day like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I know every day is different. I think I think there's a similarity in that. I mean, I always try to, you know, just like you said, just kind of grind it out. Um, you got to do that defensively, and sometimes there's tournaments where the fish are just not doing what you think they're supposed to do, and you got to adjust. And sometimes you really got to slow down, and sometimes it's painfully slow, and you got to use finesse tactics, and you really got to just, like you said, grind out bites. You might only get five bites a day, and sometimes that's what you got to do in tournaments. It's just like playing defense. Yeah. and having a, a rough game or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, didn't, I never really thought of that, but they definitely are similar. <laughs> The um the the other thing I was going to ask you about too is you you had brought up earlier about um so you know I'm going to have a tournament here in a week or two uh, you'll go out ahead of time uh, if you get a chance to to maybe scout the lake a little bit uh, take us through that process and I suppose that's a little bit like when Coach Kemp or Coach Thorson gives you the scouting report on a on a team as well. Yep yep so I'll head out a few days before the tournament. I mean, not every time you get to do that, just with timing and stuff. But ideally, you'll you'll be able to practice for a few days before the tournament. Go out. Um, should definitely do your research before you even hit the water. Look at areas of the lake that you want to focus on. What the water temp should be like. What the history of that lake has been this time of year. Um, to get yourself a little game plan. So I'll go out there and drive around and look for things that that I like. Um, like like you said before, I'll use my electronics to side scan what the bottom's like if there's weed lines or rock piles stuff like that i'll mark them and then um sometimes sometimes when guys practice fish they don't even fish for the first day they just drive around and mark stuff um but i'll i'll probably fish um just trying to try to get an idea of what their fish are doing to try to put together a pattern um that i can hopefully duplicate throughout the tournament and then we'll catch a few um, once it gets closer to tournament day you don't want to just hook all the fish you get bites from so sometimes you'll either cut off your hooks um or just not to, not set the hook and shake them off um so you know that the fish are there but you don't want to hook them before the tournament because they probably won't bite that on tournament day so yeah. you got to be kind of kind of uh strategic on how you how you practice fish for a tournament and like i said um some tournaments are a lot bigger than others there's pro tournaments that have 250 boats and sometimes you gotta I mean, it gets super in-depth sometimes. Like, tournament I was fishing this past weekend on Pool 4 and 5, the St. Jude Bass Classic. That was There were 70, 79 boats, and that's a that's a big tournament. That's one of the biggest ones in Wisconsin, Minnesota. So there was guys that would, that would actually pre-fish out of a whole different boat so that other competitors didn't see their boat in certain spots because other competitors – knew what their boat looked like. So guys would have sneak boats, like little tin um, John boats going around so that hopefully they could be in disguise of where they were fishing. Um, so they just looked like a, a smaller boat instead of their big bass boat that people, because bass anglers are smart. They'll know, like they remember who fishes out of what boat. Yeah. And you can see it from across the lake. Like if I'm over there in a red boat, the guy from a pretty far distance can see that it's me just by what my boat looks like. So. Sure. 
and I suppose then if if somebody's um, you know like hey this guy we know can catch fish he's won some tournaments you might keep an eye on where he's going to fish right so they want to disguise that maybe that's amazing it's like well, it's, yeah it's like I'm at football practice sometimes uh, watching the Gophers and I, and the Gophers aren't unique in this they've got like student managers uh, with binoculars making sure people aren't looking you know in and spying on 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 their practice I suppose it's similar in uh, in boat fishing right you you don't uh, and I don't know even coach Johnson on occasion uh, in basketball has said you know sometimes you're not always comfortable when you do the walkthrough at the opposing team's arena because you just don't know who might be hiding somewhere seeing what the strategy might be and and so I suppose it's the same in uh, in in bass fishing as well, that's pretty that's pretty incredible that, uh, that that it gets that that deep. Guys putting on some uh, you know on a fake not a fake boat. I mean it's a real boat, but uh, just making sure people don't see them. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it gets that in depth. There was there's I'll give you one more example. There's a Jacob Wheeler. He's one of the best bass fishermen in the country or in the world. Um, there was a, a mega tournament on his home lake on Lake Chickamauga. It was like if you win, it was like. <clears throat> Either three hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and there was going to be like three hundred boats. So he actually, a lot of these pros, actually most of the pros have their boats wrapped with their sponsors. Right. So he actually contacted all of his sponsors and unwrapped his boat, so that people didn't know that it was him. And so when he would go around and practice in his spots, he was kind of incognito because he didn't have his sponsor wrap on. So wow. It's, I mean, that's just another example. And then he ended up winning the tournament. So <laughs> smart too, right? Smart, yeah. Um, and I think right, the Bassmaster winner from last year is from Minnesota. I think I I read that. Uh, I want to say, and I, I I should have looked it up. I the name escapes me, but it's, uh, I think he's like from Elko, maybe or yeah. uh, just south. Angler of the year, Angler of the year, Seth Leiter. He's a he's he's well, he's the best fisherman in the world right now. So. I mean, yeah, he's an incredible angler. Wow. Have guy you I've looked up to for sure. Have you had a chance to meet him at all since you're you've been around? Uh, and and he's. I have, I've actually not had a chance to meet Seth. I've, I know some of his, um, his friends and stuff, and people that know him. He's in he's around the area, but he's obviously traveling and stuff. Right. I've not I've not got a chance to meet him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully someday I can meet him, but yeah, he's he's a really good angler. Um, yeah, he was the best. He finished best in the world last year, and he was the angler of the year. Crazy. And when when you're that way, uh, then you do make that's a that's a that you're making a good living. Then, right? Uh, you got sponsors, you got equipment, you got prize winnings. I mean, that's a pretty good way to to go about life, I would think. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> he's he's got a lot of good got a lot of good sponsor support. Um, people that help him out, and he's just a really good angler. I mean, he's he dominated Minnesota tournaments just when he growing up, and then moved to the elite series and it transferred over. So yeah, he's a talented fisherman. Yeah. Maybe, you know, a guy uh, at your age now, a guy that you can study and see what the career arc was and, and uh, see if you can't uh, follow in the awake, so to speak, uh, uh, again, pun intended. Well, hey, we, we're, um, I, I told you I'd only keep you for about 35 or 40 minutes. We're already 40 minutes in. It's been so fun uh, and compelling hearing about your fishing uh, and, and uh, your background in fishing and, and the hope, the ho- the uh, future and the hopes. Um, do you have a few more minutes we can talk some hoops here? Is that all right? Yeah, well, I got all kinds of stuff. Okay, cool. I just want, I didn't want to, uh, you never know. You might have to, I thought you might be going out to pre-scout a lake or something here. Um, well, let's, let's do talk some basketball and i'll just throw you the easy softball first how much look as one year uh you, you spent it you're a gopher you're a gopher for life now um I, I think the fans really embraced the way you played uh what was it like on your end uh playing the one year here at the u of m yeah I, i'm very thankful for my year here at minnesota um 
Uh, it was an amazing experience playing in the Big Ten, playing at the barn um, in front of the Minnesota fans and community. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just as, as, as the season went on, I enjoyed playing at the barn more and more. Just the atmosphere um, that we played in, um, you know. And like you said, kind of before, this year's team was was a kind of a mix of a lot of different people from a lot of different areas and stuff like that. And um, we did gel together and have good team chemistry, and which was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed playing with all these guys. Um, we had a lot of older guys, um, so there won't be it won't be the same team next year, but the team this year I enjoyed playing with and I really enjoyed my experience. I'm very thankful to Coach Johnson and the other coaches that brought me here. Yeah, that was one of the things I think that I was probably most impressed with was that the coaching staff um, was able to, and, and you guys, to your credit as well, you guys all basically showed up strangers, right? Uh, you know, 10 of you, I think, uh, in terms of transfers and newcomers and everything else, two holdovers. And, um, you know, I suppose June or so, uh, you know, a little less than a year ago at this time, you guys all showed up on campus not knowing each other at all. And you guys were 9-0 and in the non-conference. I mean, you guys just put it together right away. You were in the right spots. You gelled. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you attribute? that too what do you think the uh how you guys were able to get on the same page so quickly i think we had a lot of experience we had a lot of guys that had played in college for a few years now and understood the game um understand playing and had maturity out there and we were able to just um gel together as a team we also all wanted to win so there wasn't we didn't have egos on our team i mean we played together and just wanted to do everything we could to try to make the team the most successful that we could so when I watched uh, you play, I also noticed that you had almost every game home and road family uh, that came and watched. How how important was it that they got to take part uh, and and, uh, and watch you and support you? And I guess I'm I'm sure in fishing too, uh, just to have that uh, family support. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, that's a big reason that I was excited to come back to Minnesota because when I was out in Virginia, my family would come out occasionally, but there was a lot of games that I wouldn't have family at um, for four years. So this one being my last, I had family at every single game. They came home and away. Um, sometimes, I mean, the Wisconsin game in Wisconsin, I probably had over 100 people there to watch me play. So it was yeah. cool. I mean, there was always people coming to Minnesota. It was great to see them in the stands. I'm glad that they could watch my last year. You grew up in Wisconsin. I don't know if you were a Badger fan or not. You can, if you were, no, no problem. Uh, you came to this side. I grew up in Iowa, cheering for the Hawkeyes, and and here we are too. So you know, and it's it's good. We're on the on the good side of things now. But what was it like? This is for me personally, from from my job perspective, growing up in Big Ten country and seeing on TV whether it's football or basketball arenas, and now getting to go call games in these in these great uh, you know these great arenas and great stadiums. Um, I'm assuming the same. You're growing up. Watching the Big Ten Network and games on ESPN, and uh, was it was it pretty cool to to make the trek through now on your final year to go to some of these uh, places around the Big Ten? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. When, I mean, when I was a younger kid, I would watch the Big Ten, and some of the players that played in the Big Ten were always like, it was it seemed so distant to me of like ever playing on that level because they were a superstar like larger than life right yeah yeah they were like they were superstars when i was a young kid so just being on that stage it was kind of it was kind of weird for me but it was definitely cool um to be in that position going to those places michigan state ohio state all those arenas that i watched like nba player former nba or nba players that were former college stars play when i was younger so yeah that was a it was very cool 
The uh, did you have a favorite? You mentioned a hundred people in Madison. That probably had to be kind of cool. Did you have some other spots that uh, stood out to you that that the Gophers played in on the road? Um, I, I Michigan State was cool. Obviously, I like playing at Michigan. We got a win there, so that was a cool. Yeah. I actually had a lot of people come to Michigan too, so that was a fun game for me. Um, getting to see a lot of family and stuff like that. But yeah, Ohio State was a cool arena to play in as well. There was, I mean, all, every Big Ten arena is special in its own way. It's not every day you play at a place like that, especially being at William Mary for four years. We'd every year we'd play at maybe one place like that. So every yeah. day now in the Big Ten is definitely something different. You mentioned the win at Michigan; that was awesome. And then the Big Ten can be a grind. And then you guys were, you know, at times uh, fighting through, uh, you know, COVID hit for a moment, and then uh, guys trying to come back from that hit for a moment. And there was two separate. In my time, we we had never done. Uh, I've been here now sixteen years. We had never done two road trips like what you guys had to go through, where you're gone for four or five days, and guys are, you know, coughing and sneezing and trying to make sure they're they're staying away from each other so that you can get a game in. Um, so that all said uh it, it did become a bit of a grind um what was it like trying to you know get up off the map there a few times and then you know you win some games the Rutgers game was amazing I mean you know when that thing starts you're missing the leading score you're missing a few other guys I think Eric was gone that night uh uh Trayton comes in and plays all 40 minutes you hit a bunch of threes and and you get a nice win on a Saturday afternoon at the barn yeah I mean that was a game I'll never forget um obviously a great experience and a cool game we had some guys out but um the guys that were were out there came together and we put it together for 40 minutes and we were able to come out with that win but yeah i mean this season was was kind of weird there was a lot of stuff we were going through um that's just how it's been for me in the last probably three years of college though it's i mean it hasn't really been a normal year this was the most normal it's been so i mean we kind of just had to adapt every every road trip every game there was a lot of games we didn't even know like within 24 hours of the game, how many guys we would have playing. That happened multiple times. Yeah. So we just had to continue to adjust in situations like that. Yeah, I think about that. I have two kids in college right now, too, and I, I feel for them sometimes because, uh, you know, you're in this boat, too, even in a bigger degree because you you're, you played college basketball and you, you uh, didn't time it great because you went through this funky time of, of the pandemic where you had to play with no fans for a while. Uh, your family couldn't come and watch you. You couldn't, you know, I suppose, at, at I know with the Minnesota two years ago, the Gophers basically had to isolate from, from everybody because they wanted to play games, and so you're not even getting to see maybe uh, you know your friends your girlfriend what have you it's just uh think about what you and your classmates whether it's at william and mary whether it's minnesota your competitors in in the conferences you played in uh you guys went through some interesting times here during your span as a college uh, student yeah and it's been a weird end of my career uh just the stuff we went through i mean we at times in virginia we were we were quarantined in my apartment with my roommate doing ball handling drills on the carpet because we didn't have hardwood <laughs> over a zoom call doing like workouts on the carpet just weird stuff to try to stay in shape but i mean I, I definitely feel for some of the kids that were in high school coming up through this and then early in their college career because um they kind of got the they, they kind of got their career off to a tough sport tough start um they just the social aspect was way off. You couldn't go out and hang out with friends or a lot of times there wasn't a release from stress and stuff because you were just cooped up by yourself. So I definitely feel for guys that have experienced it. And I mean, I haven't gone through it. It was a grind a lot of times, but um, hopefully we're on the outer end of it and we're 
going to be moving away from it here soon. Yeah, for sure. Almost almost done. Yeah, let's hope so. No no doubt about it. Well, as you look at your time with the Gophers and you think about the year and now, you know, Coach Johnson's bringing in, you know, the next crop of of future Gophers. And I think they're excited about where the future goes. Um, I'll ask a two-part question. One, um, how cool does it feel for you that, you know, you got in here at the base level? And let's hope that you know, if Ben Johnson and the staff does what they want to do in five, six, eight years down the road, you're contending for conference titles and such, and Luke Lowy wants to come and watch a game, you can sit behind the bench and know that you were kind of the found, one of the foundational pieces here. Uh, you know, what? What? Uh, what that's part one. And then part two, what do you think of this coaching staff and, and the general future of where this program's headed? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely love to do that someday. Uh, and and. Second part of this is this coaching staff knows what they're doing. I mean, I, I think this is great for Minnesota. Um, coach Johnson is going to be a great coach, and he's doing the right thing. He's building a culture here in Minnesota. Um, he's going in the right direction. So he's got pieces around him, Coach Kemp, Coach Jenkins, and Coach Thorson that, I mean, they're, they help out when all aspects of, you know, player relations, recruiting, workout, stuff like that. So I think they're they're on the uptrend for teams in the Big Ten and coaching staff. So I'm excited to see their success um, and just follow along with the teams in the future. I mean, I still have guys that I played with this last year that will be on the team next year that I'll be talking to. And, I mean, I'm really excited to watch that team and um, still support them. I'd like to get back to the barn and watch as many games as I can. So it's going to be it's gonna be different, but I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be cool for me to sit and watch a game. A college game. Yeah, right. Because you've been playing and 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 being a part of it. There is some there is some leisure. I think is the way I'd term it when you um, when you get to just get to watch. You don't have to worry about a scouting report. You don't have to worry about who do you guard or you know where do I got to be. There's there's some leisure to that. I've I've talked to guys even like for even like games. I, I have you know I'll broadcast a game and then I'll go watch the go for women. And there's just some. Just some relief and just, hey, I just get to be a fan here and just watch a game and not have a responsibility. So I, I know that that's something you can look forward to. Absolutely. Um, and the last one for you um, in terms of how you got here, um, you mentioned Coach Kemp a few times. Kind of take us through your connection with him, and I know he was a key piece in in, um, in your decision to, to be a gopher and, and really the connection to start with, right? Yep, yep. So my sophomore year of college, we had a coaching change in, at William & Mary and Coach Fisher got hired and um, hired Coach Kemp as an assistant. And at the time, I was—I didn't know what I was going to do. I was in the portal. I was thinking about leaving. I was scared because I didn't want to get stranded out and that far away from home with the coaching staff that didn't recruit me. So Coach Kemp was a, a huge piece of the reason why I stayed, and he, he kind of kept me there and believed in me. And, I, I mean, really helped me turn around my career. At the time, it was not going very well. Um, and he helped me turn it around and led me to the opportunity to be able to come and play at Minnesota last year. Um, so he's, he's my guy. He's been a great um, role model and just person I can talk to on the court and off the court. I got really close with him at, at Virginia, and then it was a blessing to have him come to Minnesota as well um, to play for coaching staff here as well and have him be a part of it. So, I mean, he helped me mentally all the time. Um, obviously helped me tell me what I needed to do on the court, but um, he knew that, I know I could, I took care of that most of the time if I just believed in myself and had the right mental space. So that was his, that was his deal that he helped me with a lot. So I was very thankful for that because I mean, like you said, coming to play here in the big 10 is a whole different ball game for, you know, 
yeah. just mentally and physically, obviously. But he, he was a big help in helping be able to do that. I, I lied. I do have one more final question. Uh, you have a degree from William & Mary, great school, right? Which I'm sure was part of the draw uh, initially. Um, and then what did you study while you were here at Minnesota and where, uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, after your many years of uh, successful uh, professional fishing, what, uh, what, what's the degree in and what might uh, down the road maybe you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I got my undergrad in kinesiology at William Mary. Um, and then this past year, I was I got my uh, master's in sports management. Um, I kind of I kind of crunched a, a few credits together to be able to get that done in one year. So thankfully, I, I was able to do that. Um, um, so that was nice. And yeah, I mean, my degrees in sports management, I, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with that yet. I'm, I'm still I'm looking for jobs right now. Obviously, I want to continue to do this fishing stuff, but I also need to make money somehow. So, yeah, um, I'm open for opportunities. Um, I, I mean, I not sure exactly. I'm looking for jobs and applying for stuff. So, yeah. Very good. Well, as you mentioned, you've got your social media out there. So, uh, we, we got a few things going, we got to get you a motor. We got to get the club sport uh, at Minnesota continuing to get some sponsors. Uh, we'll get you a, a job here, sports management, and then we uh, we, we can get you uh, sponsors for your uh, pro fishing career as well. It's all all out there for people to uh, to jump on board, right? Yeah, that's a, I mean that's a lot to ask for, but <laughs> anything would be appreciated. I know. Hopefully, anyone who listens to this maybe have a a lead for something. So I'd appreciate anything. Thank you guys all for the support through through fishing and basketball, being here as a gopher um but yeah that's kind of the stuff that i got in my horizon and i mean i i've already had so much help with just my basketball career fishing um a lot of amazing people have helped me so i'm very thankful for anyone um and everyone who's already helped me yeah awesome man hey it was fun chatting thanks so much uh, best of luck we i might try to uh, catch up with you again here as we get uh, maybe around that uh, lacrosse uh mississippi river uh, tournament we'll uh, after that we'll uh, catch up and see how things are going yeah, that'll be that'll be great. It sounds good. I'll be up here for that one. That'll be exciting. Awesome. Good luck, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. There he is, Luke Lowy, episode number 19, the former gopher basketball player and aspiring professional fisherman. I hope you enjoyed hearing his story as much as I did. Best of luck to Luke. It'll be fun following his fishing story. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Brandon Morton is our producer and technical expert. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and please be sure to hit the subscribe button right now to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to listen at any time. We'll talk again next week.